I've always wanted my wound loss records to have seven numbers in them, right? Yeah. And that's the best. Yeah, I love getting a line chart and it's got it looks like a fuck, right. a, like did someone put their phone number yeah. on here Work instead of their record? Like, yeah. what's, is this the SID's number if I have a question or is that the record? What is it? Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 18 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host. And I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hello, everyone. <laughs> As he waves, okay. Uh, Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. Hey, some some people pay to watch us. That's true. <laughs> Rob, how's it going? Not too bad. Almost done with second set of COVID isolation. <laughs> and Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. Paid or otherwise. <laughs> with the regular season of college hockey almost done, we thought it was time to check in with someone outside the WCHA to discuss college hockey and get an outside perspective on the WCHA and their chances to get multiple teams into the NCAA tournament. So we reached out to Matt Wellens from the Duluth News Tribune. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for having me, guys. Please be nice to the Northern guy. <laughs> uh, this week, we'll mainly focus on the game-winning streak that started last Tuesday and all the penalty reviews last week, WCHA status, uh, update on the NCHC, the Joe Sean Hour, your questions, and preview the Minnesota State Series. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and discuss college hockey with our guest, Matt Wellens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, welcome back. So let's get right into things uh, with Matt Wellens. How are things going in the NCHC? Well, it's uh, Monday night as we're recording this, and the league was so close, so very close to uh, playing a complete 24-game uh, league schedule. Uh, it actually was supposed to be 26, but um, they decided to axe some possible uh, three-game series in three days. So they're close to play 24, uh, but Denver and Colorado College had their last two games against each other of the season canceled. Tonight, because Colorado College, for the third time this season, has a positive COVID <laughs> test. They got they got hit again. So they got hit again. Uh, th they had one uh, at the beginning of the season that uh, had them showing up late to the pod in Omaha. They had another one in January that I believe actually ended up being a false positive. Um, so they only shut down briefly, but they did have to postpone a, a series. I believe it was actually against Denver that was going to be made up this weekend. And uh, Colorado College got hit again. So uh, not good timing with um, going into the last weekend of the regular season and the postseason coming two weeks away. So they they I doubt they're the first at this point. Probably won't be the last uh, as we get to the end of the season shutting things down at an inopportune time. 
So the the NCHC has games this weekend that some of which got canceled, but that you guys are only playing. Weren't you guys doing like an eight team all go to the one place tournament? Yeah, the NCHC is doing all eight teams going to Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, to Ralph Ingolstadt Arena uh, because they can allow fans there. And they're ho- they I don't think it's sold out yet because I still see the league advertising. Um, I don't know if they thought this would sell out real quick or, or not, but um, yeah, all eight teams, well, assuming all eight teams are healthy, uh, are going to go to Grand Forks, North Dakota. They'll play uh, semifinals on March 12th and 13th. That's a Friday and Saturday. They'll t- everyone will take Sunday off. Then they got semifinals on a Monday um, championship on a Tuesday, and then they're taking some time off before uh, the NCAA. They'll have a weekend off, actually, before okay. a little less than a week before um, – well, yeah, basically a full week before the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten did the same thing. They're doing their entire conference tournament uh, in South Bend um, at Notre Dame's rink there. And uh, they also moved up their postseason um, tournament so that they could have some time off uh, before the NCAA tournament. I thought maybe the NCHC had it early because, and I asked this when they announced it, is this in case what we're facing right here? Colorado College is... is can't get there right away and and you still want to bring all eight teams is there you know could they move it could they shift it later and um the league really doesn't want to do that but they didn't close the door on it so if you had you know if so if north dakota has an outbreak it's getting delayed right (laughs) is it is, is it is it more about protecting themselves if there isn't a positive test after the league tournament so there's enough of a gap between the ncaa tournament that they could have negative tests to still participate in a national tournament? I think that's part of it. I think part of it is if you go to Grand Forks, North Dakota and get COVID um, and you detect it right away, um, you know, you can, you know, I'm sure schools are going to be testing as soon as their teams get back from the playoffs, whether they're eliminated early or they make it all to the championship, but it gives you some time. There's kind of like a seven to 10 day window. So if you only have like one or two people that test positive and the contact tracing is limited, Uh, The shutdowns can be pretty short. Now, they all vary depending on, you know, state regulations and everything. That's what makes this also crazy is there's North Dakota, for instance, in in the NCHC, North Dakota has the the loosest restrictions out there, Um, whereas Minnesota and Michigan, so St. Cloud, UMD and, and Western Michigan, they're probably playing under they've been playing under the tightest restrictions and rules all year. So like uh Western Western actually survived the regular season without a single stoppage uh, playing under the strictest um, rules as, as Michigan's uh, been pretty tight on, on how it's handling COVID minute. Uh, the state of Minnesota has uh, two though, both St. Cloud and UMD had stoppages. So, um, you know, that's what makes this whole NCAA tournament interesting too, is not everyone's going to be playing by the same rules. So I wouldn't hold your breath about like a North Dakota getting knocked out of the NCAA tournament because of COVID. Uh, but you might see Western might. The Gophers. The, the Gophers. Could, yeah. <laughs> well, but it's not going to be about North Dakota. It's going to be, well, I guess it you would. Could see it, you could Fargo, see a Minnesota right? so okay. or a Western Michigan. Well, Western Michigan won't make the NCAA tournament unless they run the table in the NCHC, which. Yeah, they shock the nation in the tournament. Well, they could. I mean, that's that's what's, you know, in the Big Ten of the well, NCHC. the interesting thing is going to be once, once the field's set, 
like does Michigan Tech or Michigan or Minnesota still have to follow Michigan slash Minnesota rules if they're done playing in Minnesota and Michigan? No, I feel like the, you have to follow the rules of the, the state that you're playing in. Right. Well, you'd have to follow your universities. Well, that's true. You know, protocols, you know, Minnesota Duluth's part of the University of Minnesota system, like the Gophers. So they're both playing under pretty tight restrictions. Once the conference tournament's done and Minnesota Duluth gets announced to be playing wherever, can't they just go there and follow the rules there to get through the tournament? That like, would be up to their universe. This is a se- right. this is a season. Typically in college athletics, athletic directors and and presidents run the show, but there's people like above them that are are calling the shots and That's stuff true. here. So no, I don't think a school could escape to another state to avoid restrictions. I mean, Michigan was shut down earlier this year, not by the university but by the state's health department. Well, that's not true. Okay, I thought I... They were shut down by the university. Yeah, okay. the, the state suggested that they do <laughs> Highly it. Highly recommended. But the university suggested. chose to do it. Okay. It was not yeah, it was a, a mandate. This... It was a recommendation. Okay. But... Especially because Michigan but was true. having like outbreaks of like the uh, the variants and all that. They didn't yeah. know how to handle that at the time. Look, if the so state tells you to shut down, you're going to listen to... The, the university system's going to listen to them because eventually it'd come back to bite them. I mean, they know where their, mo- they know where their, mon- they know where their money comes from. They're very happy they did. Right. I'm very happy they did, to be honest with you. If they would have just continued playing as if nothing was wrong when they know they're a hot spot for the new variants, that would have been a really bad look. No, and that's that's something that everyone needs to take into consideration. I know that's tough for fans sometimes. Um, It it frustrates them and everything. But, yeah, we don't need college hockey teams traveling the country spreading COVID-19 when we're finally, um, you know, getting a grip on on this virus. I, I know coaches and athletes have sometimes hated when I called, I said this, but because of the eligibility rules, this is kind of a free season. It's kind of a free year in a way. Uh, I know people aren't going to like this either, but there's always going to be an asterisk on the 2021 season. Like this year's going to go down in the record books is up. That's they're the COVID champions of the WCHA. They're the COVID champions of the NCAA. Um, They're the COVID Hobie Baker winner. Like, that's going to be attached to it. And it, it sucks, but it, it's true. This has been an entirely different season and conference champions are being crowned, having played unbalanced schedules. Um, you know, NCAA champions, like you guys said, a top team, a Minnesota, a Boston college and North Dakota could get bounced from the tournament because of a, a COVID outbreak. Um, Cause their university decides they, they can't go anywhere and certain schools are playing by different uh, rules. Colorado college has probably only had like the first time they were shut down. They had one positive test, one positive test. The school required them to shut down for two weeks. Other schools don't have to play by that rules. Like we're going to, t- I'll be shocked if the tournament goes through all 16 teams and we play all the games without any, cancellations or or anything like that um either way it's it's going to be an interesting uh run here i'm really curious to see like in the wcha if they can pull off um you know a tournament where you're playing at campus sites and elsewhere around college hockey too um because i'm of the belief you got to get everyone to just one site lock them down cut them off from society do what the nchc did when they had their pod at the beginning of the season in, in Omaha, well, I think we. You know, I don't think we have a choice because we don't really have a facility that can handle eight schools. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue for the WCHA is we just don't have a Ralph Engelstad 
with eight nice locker rooms and enough hotels to get yeah, everybody. I think the only option would be Mankato with the hotel attached and just taking it over, basically. We still don't have locker rooms. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, the locker rooms are a problem. Every, uh, Omaha didn't have the locker rooms either, but they had the run of the building. There were no fans, no one else there. So they were able to set up temporary locker rooms and such. Um, you know, the women's WCHA is only taking four teams, four of their seven teams to their postseason um, this weekend because they're holding it at Ritter Arena in Minneapolis. And that place doesn't have the locker rooms for, well, from what I'm told, it barely has the locker rooms for four teams. But, um, you know, they they couldn't find a facility or agree on a facility, I should say, um, that could host all, all eight teams. I actually thought Duluth could do it, but um, there, there's still money involved in, in, in college sports. That's why the NCHC is ultimately going to Grand Forks. That's why the NCAA, even though, I mean, if you if your top priority is playing these tournaments for the student athletes and, and having them, you know, completing the experience, letting fans into the building is, is not a good idea. They should keep them empty. You're just raising the risk of, of someone bringing COVID in. But everyone needs uh, some money right now. College athletics is getting pretty tight. And uh, so we're, we're kind of compromising uh, in some fashion here. It kind of does seem at times, and I think Matt did a pretty good job of breaking this down, that it seems like the hockey national tournament this year is pretty much going to go on out of pure ignorance and force of will from people just kind of pretending COVID is just an inconvenience. It's just like it's we're not pretending it isn't real. It's just it's just a small hindrance and then we're going to get people in there, you know. It's either that or the you know, the good old, I mean, college hockey, that's, this sport's tough to change. It hates change. I mean, we're still battling over overtime here. I mean, I, what's an overtime win worth this year? We still don't know. Like <laughs> it depends on who you ask if, you know, teams have basically multiple record, like depending who you ask to depend on, on your record. I mean, I was, I vote in the USCHO polls and I was for most of the season voting a strict, an overtime win to me was a win or a loss. It wasn't a, percentage point that whatever the the heck and and other that the pairwise does yeah. yeah that the pairwise does and i i just said hey it's a win or a loss that's what we're going with and that's the way most standings were calculated but um and i know college hockey news came out with their formula and all this yada 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 and such it was like i'm just keeping it simple that's uh, but what like what is it wisconsin's win percentage is listed as two different numbers depending on the site you look right, at yeah depending on where, where you're at so confusing but anyways uh I've always, I'll be honest, I've I always changed, wanted my win-loss. Win-loss records have seven numbers in them, right? Yeah. And that's the best. Yeah, I love getting a line chart, and it's got – looks like a fu- – <laughs> right. Like, did someone put their phone number yeah. on here? Is that the record? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's, is this the SID's number if I have a question, or is that the record? What is it? It's it's wonderful to hear somebody that votes in the polls feel the same way about that gigantic number that we do here on our podcast. Yeah. So, but hey, I I listened to what Mike Kemp had to say how they're doing the tournament, and and one of the things he mentioned was, um, kind of they're honoring the the spirit of the pairwise, so they're treating those overtime wins and losses as as ties until it gets to the point where they're comparing uh, two teams. So I actually went back through my uh, you know I I keep a rough kind of database and notes on on the teams that I'm voting on and such. I try to be 
as informed as possible. I'll admit it doesn't happen every every week. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get this ballot in within the next five minutes. So let's uh, <laughs> those weeks, I don't change it really much. And really, as a voter, you shouldn't be changing it drastically week in, week out, unless something crazy happens. But I went back and changed those records to to try and get them to reflect maybe like what the NCAA tournament committee's uh, going to be looking at. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if they do do that because that could affect the eligibility of, of some teams. I believe like UConn right now is technically under 500, but then if you go to their actual um, record, if you turn all their overtime wins and losses into ties, um, they're, they're above 500. So these are all <laughs> things that, yeah, that probably need to be. So are they above 500 or not? Yeah. It's, it's, you tell me. Uh, like, deal. welcome to college hockey. We don't know what a win and a loss is. We don't know what overtime means. And now we don't know what a team's record is. So, um, and it often comes because we just can't disagree in this sport. The, the, the East and the West have two very different uh, perceptions of, of what this should be. Um, and even in the West and the East, you have sub, you know, factions of of what college hockey is is this just a feeder for the nhl is this just a another minor league or you know there's so many compete you know there's people that want to hang on to the past so hard and and that you know they think ties are good they like ties um i feel personally attacked here all of a sudden ties are <laughs> i hate ties and, and i've heard from coaches that are you know i heard a coach that was angry that you know we're giving 55% for an OT win and 45 for a loss. That's garbage. Like, and I kind of agree. It is like a win should be a win. A loss should be a loss. Like yeah, I have no problem with that. You know, I just don't think a tie after OT is a bad thing. I feel like we should play longer three on three and shootouts should be treated differently. I agree. Cause they I'm are fine very with, different. I'm fine with shootouts being counted as a tie and only in conference points. That's perfectly fine. I can live with that. Yeah. Any, any win that's not a shootout is a win. Any loss is not a shootout is a yeah. loss. And then, if it's a shootout for the NCAA pairwise, whatever, it's a tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think everybody anyways, would be perfectly you know, fine a, with that. Because anyway, that that makes a team build a better team because you can't just play defensive. Because if you get to the overtime, you're not going to be able to continue that defensive structure three on three. And, like, right. You're just and I not don't even be care if like the overtime is just you could do an overtime of five on five overtime. You could do four on four overtime, three on three overtime. I don't care. Five minutes of five on five was the biggest waste of five minutes in everyone's life. That's true. Because oh my God. teams just, I don't teams disagree just killed the, yeah. my, the first, they'd come out the first minute, maybe try and get that goal. And then, all right, let's not do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't want to lose the point. They didn't want to lose the point. And, um, well, if you didn't have the useless shootout backing it, then maybe it wouldn't be a problem. Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I 1000% agree with what Matt just said is that it was just a useless five minutes. You knew it was just basically five minutes of defensive hockey to get everyone a free point and then they're moving <laughs> on to the shootout and then no fan wants to see that at least no fan that's like been a been a part of the game as long as you know any of the any of the hosts of this podcast have been because we like to see a team game decided by team plays i mean this is we only see it decided you know this is like, america we like winners we want a winner and a loser here we don't want a tie <laughs> that's why we haven't warmed up to soccer quite yet over here says the Aston villa fan and such so Anyways, but the NCAA, the NCAA fights on everything. I mean, this regional structure itself, like we're joking about 25% capacity is what the NCAA is going to limit to. It's 25% capacity every year. 
Right, right. I watched Minnesota and I watched UMD and Minnesota play each other in Manchester, New Hampshire one year in front of five people. Like, yeah. come on, right. you know, uh, these, yeah, these yeah. regionals. Well, are, and this is how many years now we've had the Midwest regional in the East? Yeah, we're putting, yeah, yeah we're like putting, Allentown, Pennsylvania, my favorite part of the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, Allentown's, yeah. Allentown's actually a really good regional site. I, I liked it when UMD was out there, but it shouldn't be called the, Midwest. the Midwest. It should be the East regional. So, um, we yeah, we can't exactly. agree on what geography is in this sport. Um, what happens in college hockey is people try throwing out new ideas. No one can agree on it, and then we just said, "Well, let's just leave it alone." And uh, and I wonder if that's what happened with the with the tournament here as well. If we couldn't agree on a neutral on one site, either in Minnesota or Boston or somewhere, um, there probably was a group that said, "You guys are right that oh, COVID will be gone by then. Who cares? Like, just leave it as it is." Um, that's probably how we got into the, the spot we are. So we keep going back to some of these bad regional sites as well. I mean, I've heard nothing good about Bridgeport, Connecticut. I haven't been there yet. Uh, UMD oh, has there's a really good. There's a really good brewery that's real close. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I thought the pod was a really amazing concept, and I wish more leagues had the money to make that a reality. What was it like to kind of be following a team through that, to be having a vested interest in that, and to have it be easier to follow other teams in the conference as a result of the pod? Like, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I covered the the pod virtually. Uh, I did not go to, to Omaha um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I got a family and such like that and leaving them for, for three weeks uh, was tough. Um, also talking to other NHL writers um, who didn't travel with their teams um, when their teams were in the pods and everything like that um, gave me a sense that I could do the job. If you can't, basically, if you can't go to practices, which we couldn't do in the pod, um, you're just watching from a press box and um still doing everything over zoom. So it does help to see it in person and such, but um, I felt like actually being home, I got to watch probably more hockey because I could watch it on my free time. I can watch it from here in my basement or in my couch upstairs. It was just nice to have a lot of hockey on guys, to be honest, to, to watch at that time. We were at a point where what the NFL was really the only league going on and, and such. And there just wasn't a whole lot of sports to do. It, it was exhausting because you're, it made me realize I, I I'm happy being a college hockey writer covering two games a week <laughs> on Friday and Saturday. Um, I don't have the endurance to be an NHL uh, beat writer doing game coverage uh, every other day, three, four games. You a don't want to be Russo. Yeah. Can't handle yeah, that. Huh? Yeah. Sorry. Can't be Russo doing three, four. Well, it's, it's doing three, four gamers a week. Like it's just exhausting. Like you don't have time to yeah. sit down and actually tell stories and break down and think about that game. You cover that game. You, wipe it away and you got to immediately move on to the next one and to the next team and, and all that well, and stuff. I can't even imagine doing like, it's one thing like college hockey can be a drag from the writing perspective when your team isn't good. Yes. I could, but I can't even imagine that at the NHL level when your team is bad doing 82 and, games like, and you're doing 82 games and they lose a whole bunch of them or they're like, they're just imagine not being the fun writer to watch for the Marlins where you've got 150, <laughs> 162 of them and you're terrible. I mean, they've part won, of the reason yeah. I follow Helene St. James World series in the last like 20 years. Yeah. Part of the reason I follow Helene St. James right now is just to see the frustration in her tweets when the Red Wings are, are just bad. And then she gets these little <laughs> glimmers of hopes, like maybe something's going good. And then like you see it in the beat writers and the team's bad and not performing well. Like we get frustrated too, because it's, you're wasting our time and killing our good stories. We're all about the good stories and, and such, but no, that pot experience, it, it, 
I, I would, you know, Hey, if I'm single and don't have kids and everything back here, you know, I know the Colorado college beat writer, she also, uh, you know, didn't go because she would have had to leave all her pets behind for, for three weeks and such, um, in, in, in Omaha, Kate Shefty, she's a great writer and, and that, um, but no, it was, it was fun. I thought when we got out of there that I thought, wow, okay, this is the model for brief abbreviated conference tournaments. You'll be able to do these in, in a week, probably all single elimination. We're not going to see the best of three series. And then I thought this is how the NCAA tournament's going to work, right? We're going to do this pod, uh, somewhere, wherever we can. And, um, it is a lot of money uh, how NCHC teams paid for it was they are doing significantly less travel this year, a lot less flights, long hotel stays, stuff like that. Um, so a lot of their travel budget went into, into that pod. Um, there was some cost savings. Uh, I think the league did do uh, pretty decent on, on streaming uh, packages as uh, there were a couple games where uh, the traffic was so heavy, uh, the servers uh, couldn't handle all the, the traffic for some of the big games out there. Um, so they probably made some, some money on that. Heck, they probably made more money maybe streaming than having to, you know. I often wonder when we're bringing like so few fans in, like are they actually making any money off these fans? Because you have to then hire security and staff and open concessions and, and all this stuff. There's huh. so much That's involved as you, as you bring more people into an arena and such. Um, I, but, I didn't. I didn't think that North Dakota fans had internet, so I'm really surprised that they're able to watch. <laughs> they're the ones that. Well, they all went to the bars that well, were open. Cable, uh, it was a cable uh, Midco Sports Network, which is based uh, out of Grand Forks. There, um, they're the ones who broadcast. Uh, they put all the NCHC games mm. on their cable network in Grand Forks because they had nothing else to put on. Well, that like, makes they, sense. That makes sense. That's true. That makes sense. They literally had nothing else to put on their TV station because there was nothing else playing at the time. Well, there's that never anything brought, to play in North Dakota. I mean, well, they brought that's that do you want to watch NDSU, NDSU football? It really just they broadcast watch... football, basketball. They broadcast everything on there. Like, well, I mean, that's the thing. You get to North Dakota, you look to the left, you look to the right, and you understand why hockey's the show. Yeah, it's about well, <laughs> I often equate North Dakota hockey in, in Grand Forks to the Green Bay Packers in, in Green Bay. And I grew up by Green Bay. Like, you know, without the Packers, Green Bay doesn't exist. There's not a whole lot going on in in that town outside of the Packers. And and I love the Packers and everything, and it's great. And um, but that's that's Grand Forks, and I admire the passion of, of their fans and and such they probably take it a little too seriously sometimes we all probably take sports um a little too seriously we're all sometimes BSing but, at like 9 30 on a monday night but both, yeah, exactly. both fan bases are so easy to hate <laughs> one of the reasons we had you on was what is the perception from the outside as a voter even of like the the wcha and potentially how many teams they have a shot of getting in yeah, the WCHA has five teams eligible at the moment for the for the NCAA tournament. Atlantic Hockey has five. Hockey East has six. You know, so I don't know. I I would be shocked if Hockey East got more than four because the the teams you're going to start looking at now are are Providence and and UConn. Again, I don't know if UConn's eligible or not. If you go by their straight win loss tie record, they're under 500. But if you turn those wins and losses, overtime wins and losses into ties, they're they're in the field. So. Um, uh, there was a time, you know, there, there's some bubble. T- I think that yeah. third WCHA team, the second and third WCHA team, they're competing against maybe a rogue second ECAC bid, um, which I think Clarkson 
getting beat up on by St. Lawrence. Uh, oh, that's in women's hockey. I don't see Sorry. how you give. I don't see how you give two bids to a league. A that fourteen has four league. Yeah, play. that's, that's it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to I, me. I think it's fair. Sorry, to say I was that... looking at. A, I was looking at a women's score on college hockey stats. That, um, that it's that's the same debate going on in women's hockey too right now. Like, how many ECAC teams are going to get into the tournament? Do you allow, even if you get an upset bid in the tournament, do you still allow two teams? from a, a four team league. I don't know. I mean, the argument for it would be you're going to take four out of eight teams from the NCHC. That's half of their league. You could take three to four teams from the big 10. That's over half their league. Um, they should have let Arizona state be honorary members this year, just to say they're an eight team league and get to four. So I, but I, I, my problem with the four team league. And, and again, for ECAC is, they're just playing each other over and over. And yeah, Quinnipiac went and played Atlantic hockey, but that's Atlantic hockey. When, and, and, and then they and played, they played Bowling, Bowling Green, Green and they, and they lost. lost. That's, so, and that's a very right, good, right. They went to, they played Bowling Green and they lost. I think so, it's, a, I think at this point a, it is a reasonable assumption and it might not be correct that the WCHA is going to get three teams I think three teams for the WCHA is is realistic, and that might be my Western bias, but part of it is, again... It seems like, like the most likely way that doesn't happen is if Penn State or Notre Dame go on a tear yeah. and screw up and get a fourth Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. That's that, really where it seems like it comes from. Right, if a four, yeah. If, because they'll be above 500 if they do something like that. And Notre Dame does have a, a decent resume here, guys. They're 2-2 two and two against yeah. Minnesota. They're 2-2 two and two against Michigan. They are all three and one against Wisconsin, but if Notre Dame can rack up some wins here, that's a team that could steal the third bid it, that's from, true. The, from the yeah. WC. Because, because Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan are probably they're in, in. They're in. They're, they're in, in. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. So basically, but but basically, the more we talk about this, the more you realize that Michigan Tech's hopes probably aren't as bad as I maybe thought. It's no, it, it, I, I mean just tech, because of the limited if field. The WCHA is a, if the WCHA is a three bid league, it's between Bowling Green, Bemidji, Tech, and Lake State. And between, I don't even. To get I, I honestly don't think. I honestly don't think Lake Superior State's in the conversation. They get my number twenty vote the past couple of weeks because I don't know who else to put at at number twenty. Like, but but, but, but the other point we're talking about is. Even if if we have COVID issues, that still means that the door could open back up for for Bowling Green, Bemidji, Tech, or Lake State because there aren't that many other teams that have a good right. resume. Right, there's that not, are even there's eligible. Not a lot of eligible teams. Like they're going to be top twenty. Grand Forks right now. You know, for, <laughs> I would I would say for Michigan Tech, you want to root for favorites. You don't want upsets. You don't. You know, you want the top teams to be winning these tournaments right now, um, and. So boo Denver, boo Western. Yeah, boo Denver, wow. boo Western. You don't What's want Penn State there? or Notre Dame going on a tear. You don't want someone other than Quinnipiac winning the ECAC because uh, uh, just based that's, on, that's possible just that based they get on the polls, if, just if based Clarkson on the polls, wins. people seem to want to give Quinnipiac again. The reputation is going to factor in. Like previous reputation. The, the interesting thing to me is though gonna, is how how different is that room compared to the polls. Like the polls are are guys like I'm not on it, but you're somebody that votes, and not everybody that that is a writer has the time to actually look in 
to like do the investment that you're doing. Well, neither do coaches. To be neither, like, are these teams actually quality versus neither do coaches that their record? The polls are a combination. There, there's a lot of, I can tell you the USCHO poll is a lot of coaches. It's coaches. There's okay. some SIDs and other uh, league administrators in there. And then there's a, a handful of writers, um, usually beat writer, you know, the, the longtime beat writers like myself, Brad Schlossman, Mick Hatton, um, guys like that oh so a little dominant in your conference well i started voting in the uscha uscho poll as a as a wcha guy so well ccha guy i guess so um that's where they were pulling me from and then they just never let you out because it's so hard to replace voters once you start i don't blame them back when i did the poll it was hard we would all vote it's hard to get someone that consists i consistently (laughs) turn in my ballot and for the most part on time so uh no Todd Maluski and company will I, not I feel that struggle from back when we ran the WCHA poll yeah, Todd, like it was tough Todd will not let me out I vote in the women's poll too and and that's one um when I heard other people who were voting in the women's poll I'm like wow that's kind of skewed a certain direction I was surprised that and he goes well we take who we can get it's even worse when you get to the D3 polls they're really just scraping the barrel for for vote it's tough it's a lot of work if you know I get it if someone doesn't want to do it because it's it's a lot of work. And, and this year I have tried to put some extra, I've put extra effort in really researching these. The, usually by this point in the season, you know, I usually treat these polls a lot different than the pairwise and, and such. It's very much a, what have you done for, for me lately type thing. Um, so yeah, you do knock a team down for a bad weekend. You boost a team up uh, for a good weekend, but you can't really do that now where I think the committee probably is going to look at these polls. They're going to look at anything and everything they can. Um, and if these polls can maybe back up their preconceived notions, they're, they're going to go with it. It's just like, look, yes. hey, coaches and media are, are saying this team is good. So, um, you know, we got to take them as well. Talking about the committee, is, is the committee the same committee as it normally would be? So normally the committee yes. essentially just looks at the pairwise and places the teams, right? That's the same committee. So it's one representative from each league. Yes. Now, in addition to these committees, these have always existed, but we just started talking about them this year because they actually matter. Our regional advisory committees um, that allow that offer input to to the league. So I believe each league has a representative. I don't know who the rep in the WCHA is, but I know in the NCHC uh, St. Cloud States, Brett Larson. Isn't it Bob Daniels? I think it's Bob, Bob yeah, Daniels. Okay. Bob Daniels last year. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's a person that, um, you know, the committee can go to and say, Bob, what do you think of the difference between this team and, and, and this team and, and, and such. Now, normally they don't have to ask these regional committees, anything. They just look at the pairwise and, and go from there. But so the question is, have we beaten Ferris better than Bowling Green? And yeah, have we played well against Ferris? But have Bob, we, you know, we have, I, we I've have, known yeah. Bob for a long time. Bob's probably solicit. You know, Bob's probably soliciting opinion. He's probably talking to everyone in the league. I honestly think that we should get extra, like super extra bonus points for going 6-0 and against Northern. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we talked about or bringing up Northern again, we should probably have a little discussion about all the majors and the uncalled slewfoot this weekend let's see the air quotes on that one more time for those of us that pay like there we, that, yeah. there we go the air quotes foot. <laughs> mr wellens did you get a chance to watch all those videos which one's the slew foot i'll weigh in on that i do got to duck out of here soon guys i gotta it's do another podcast it's the uh, first uh, test yeah, test YouTube nine a.m but it's all is it the first link the, rob it's the youtube all right it's the youtube i don't know the, the video's kind of blurry i wish i had another angle like, as I watch this, it seems like two guys going into the 
battling for the puck, going into the boards. Rob, go grab the the other one because it is the other angle, right? I'm on it. And the the northern player just goes in really awkwardly, and and I'm looking at the the close. Don't don't watch his ankle real close. Oh. Ah. Damn it. <laughs> And that's the thing is that as a tech fan watching that, I see a hockey play that turns ugly really quick. Like, I think that's I don't think that's a penalty, but anytime I see the opposing player's foot go the wrong way, just so, ugh, it's just not a good look. I don't want to see that. I'm reading ever. the rule you guys have in here. I, I heard about this play because Chris Dilks uh, from SB Nation College Hockey uh, said, and I get now why Chris did not post this on Twitter. Uh, he wasn't going to yep. clip this one. It's it's you know I'm reading the the slew footing uh, definition here, um, and and I don't see I thought it was the other I don't see a a player using a leg or foot to knock or kick out the opponent's feet from underneath them. I don't see that. There's no I see yeah. There's no know, kick to me. No, there's no intent to no, to I knock see him two over. Guys it's trying to go hard into the board, going hard after a puck. They're both mm-hmm. trying to stop. They're not giving way to the other. It's, it's not like one hit the other one. It's yeah. There's the there's the center camera that yeah. Uh, it's it's just like you know to me it's. I well, and the whole reason this got a big discussion on Twitter was because supposedly there's a disgruntled northern. Well, fan no, it's supposedly. Patalny was told that the penalty on Misiak, I believe, was made a major and called via review because of the injury. So the so from a northern perspective, they're saying, so how come our penalty gets bumped to a major via via review because of an injury? Yet we have an apparent slew foot that results in an injury, and we don't get the major called. I don't and know. And I think how it's you... because when you watch that video, yeah. you don't see the intent so this, to be this a slew ang- foot. This angle I'm seeing it, it looks even more innocent. It looks like he he bumped him with his butt. There's a little. It, to me, it looks like the northern guy initiates the contact, too. In a uh, slew foot, the guy coming from behind is sweeping the leg out, right? That's yeah, the whole this thing is, of a this slew is not a, is a leg is not a slew foot. I, I don't think of a slew foot right. as something that happens in, incidentally. A slew foot is an intentional no. act, like spearing right. or contact. You're intentionally to trying to knock his feet out or, or basically knock him down with your arm while your leg's in the way and taking mm-hmm. his feet out. I mean, and there is there, zero intent in that video. This is a I hockey, think to do an anything. unfortunate hockey play going into the boards, where unfortunately a player got hurt because of an awkward play into the boards. It sucks yep. that Very somebody got hurt. Sad, Dawson. The one, I mean, the, the, imager, con- the, con- the contact, exactly the contact's that- initiated by the tech player, but he had every right to make that contact. He didn't throw an elbow. He didn't kick a leg out. He didn't try and trip him, hook him. He he basically used his butt to you know the two guys were going for the puck. Looked like he used his butt to to give him a bump, and it, his the feet went out from from underneath yeah, the northern guy. I don't think. Yeah, I don't even I think this is. A, I don't even think this that. is a minor. No, it's yeah, not. I, I, it's I not, agree. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's not, not a penalty. It's not a penalty at all. It sucks. Yeah, yeah it's a, right. Nobody wants to see that. Like even as tech fans, we we want to see us like as much as we hate northern. We want. No, you to don't see want us players to see their legs the broken. Yeah. No. Obviously we, not. Like, no, but we we never want to see a player's foot pointed the wrong way. That's awful I mean, to look at. Like, I hate that I've had to watch this so this many is a, times. This is a common like I want to be sure I go on. This is a like, common yeah, injury. I mean, an unbiased opinion. This, I'm trying to remember back because it's pretty far. It, it's almost the way Matt Thurber um, broke his leg just before a, a postseason series with Michigan. I believe it was. 
I don't remember exactly. What, what bugs what uh, bugs me about it is is the way that Tim as Tim brought it up, right? Is that Patoni says that the the explanation of the refs for why one or the other got called to a major is an injury. If you look at the Sorensen hit, that's a five to me, one hundred percent, no matter right. what. That one is it's pure numbers, and he slams the guy into the boards. That's a but five by definition. But I don't disagree with the fact that the ref sees the minor penalty for sure. The injury guarantees to me that that's not a problem calling a major on no, review. The other biggest problem I have with this whole game is how the hell did we need to have reviews of all these plays? Like the one on Misiak, well, the ref is leaves, right there. Sorensen yeah. leaves his feet into the back of a guy. He hits him directly in the numbers and jumps. It's, I mean, yeah, I saw gotta, some of the other hits. I saw some of the other hits from that game. Where was this one in the timeline? Like, were there other majors prior to this? I'm just wondering if the crew got a little major happy at at, at one point. The this one, I, I want to say the this would have been was... the third major of the game. The other key point of this penalty that the slew foot that wasn't called is that's when we scored the first goal too. Is we scored the first goal of the play. game. That would have come off the board because this penalty happened or this event happened about 15 seconds before we scored the first goal of the game. So that's the other key point to this is that if they go back and review this and call it a major, it takes Tech's goal off the board, which is a big deal. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and it ends it ends our power play, whatever we had. We had a power play going on there, right? Extra attacker, was it? If I remember was I thought that? it was an extra attacker. No, we scored extra attacker on was Friday. Was that later? Oh, a different one? Okay. That was Friday. But it would have been the... Northern got called for so, three major penalties on the weekend. Yeah, the first one is Lawford being Lawford. Yeah. The guy's down on the ground. Yeah. Lawford no gets th- up behind no him and cross for Lawford back of the head. being a D-bag, so... Yeah. And that's the thing is that... Lawford, if you watch that Lawford play, is that... The, the hit was made, and then he flies in after the right. fact and cross-checks our guy on the head. And I think I've... The guy's got no self-control. Exactly. And I've made this case... I've made the case for Lawford in the past, where he's clearly got the skill, if he wants to, to be a guy competing for NHL minutes. But the problem is, the guy can't pull his head out of his ass for two minutes and realize that his team needs him more on the ice than they need him in the box. That you know, it just it just leads to shit like this where teams are gonna pass on him, and I think he's just like after this, I think it leads to him being an AHL lifer, and even after that, he's a guy with a reputation that's got no leeway. He's gonna be a mess. Well, and Sorensen's got the same problem. Sorensen's got the exact same problem. Yes. Yeah, I don't. You know, he's something like second in the country in penalties right now, and he's played in only like twelve games. Yeah. I mean, if you guys want an opinion on perception of of WCHA from the outside. I mean, the officiating is, is not great over there. I mean, um, yeah, thank no, we, I mean, even, yep, we've been talking about I mean, that even, all even, on, even in the women's WCHA, <laughs> oh, you could tell it's just managed completely different. It reminds me a lot of, uh, I bring this up to people. Um, again, we're going way back before um, the other Matt on this podcast is probably born, but when they, the, the obstruction, <laughs> the, uh, the obstruction um, emphasis that, that came into play, it was really, it was, and I don't remember, this would have been early 2000s, I guess. Um, well, early to mid 2000s. Um, obstruction, big thing in the NHL, big thing mm-hmm. in college hockey. Yep. Um, every penalty was, you know, called obstruction, hooking, obstruction, holding, obstruction, trip, yep. just, just, oh, whatever. It was put before everything. And in the CCHA, yep. we used to like 
have Neil Kepke of the formerly of the Lansing State Journal, who covered Michigan State, uh, basically created this game where you know everyone throwing a buck and. Um, you'd guess how quickly before we get an obstruction penalty and no one went longer than like two, three minutes. Ideally you wanted to be the guy that, that got a time in under a minute there. And it was frequently, you know, within the first minute or two of the game, you'd have a penalty. Um, but that was the CCHA. Then you'd go, you know, then I'd see Northern go for to play tech in the WCHA and we're still calling games like the, the, the nineties, uh, the WCHA just wasn't, they because it's a bunch of old boys clubs. Yeah, and they, they were just, just continuing. They have always on done it differently. You occasionally get and a, Papa Shep is still in charge. You get an obstruction yep. penalty here, or there, and um, you watch a women's WCHA hockey game. And while you get UMD, Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they like to go up and down the ice and such. Um, and they can do that because there's you know very limited checking in in women's hockey. Um, but you get you know a Bemidji here, Mankato or Saint Cloud, um, and man, they they muck it up, and it's it's like we never had the 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 stick emphasis either of uh, you remember you know basically if your stick's supposed and I, again i don't know if they're covering this calling this in the wcha but in the nchc we went through the the heartache of if that stick was parallel and it even got close to the body they were calling a, a penalty on it and such and because they wanted to open up the game and you just saw different leagues calling things entirely different and you know the wcha does seem to be a lot rougher you don't see these you know, there was Omaha, North Dakota got into a, a pretty decent scrum uh, a couple nights ago, but there, there, I think there two guys did start throwing fists, but like, that's rare. It's rare to see fists. It's rare to see guys getting slammed into the boards as hard as they are. And that I see in these WCHA clips. I mean, there've been some violent, violent, I'm going to call them attacks. It's not just hits like attacks Art. that I've seen in the league this year. And I think part of it's coming from teams are playing each other a lot, you know, not just three, four times or two to four times a year, but four to six times a year. And um, it's getting heated and it's getting violent over there. And, um, you know, and I kind of wonder how refs can't keep control of games. Like, and they're not like, yeah, well, I think it's still that let them play mentality. It's, you know, it's like Mickey Redmond sitting up in the, in the, the box of every game, just hollering, let them play out there while he's sipping on a ginger ale. Um, you know, that's, that's the WCHA. That's how that league has always been. Like that's, it's tradition is, you know, it's a little rough and, and tumble and, and such. Um, but rough, rough is, and tumble is fine. It's the inconsistency that's bad. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no yeah. consistency in a WCHA refing. Like it, from game to game. At least back in the 2000s, like we're talking about, the WCHA was pretty consistent. They consistently called nothing. And not calling <laughs> obstruction. Yep. Right. You're right. The, the, the now it doesn't feel were, like there's much consistency at all. Did, and I don't, you've and got I, like, personally, I feel it, like some of that now is the WCHA is really bad with the two ref system because it, like it's not one guy controlling the game and we don't seem to have like i don't know about the nchc or other leagues but we don't even have like consistent pairs of refs the nchc like, usually pairs are, are are pretty consistent um now you go out to like hockey east this is this is crazy um i i still find this completely insane um not only will you have a different they rotate pairs out there so it's not the same two guys working together every night but in a series like umd went out to maine and they had two officials one night 
well, Maine, Maine, it was the same crew. That's a bad example because up there, they equate going to Maine like going to Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. Maine is Alaska. Pretty much travel the farthest you're <laughs> yeah. ever going to need. Maine to, to the to yeah. New England is Alaska. No, it's a three-hour bus ride. That's, That's crazy. crazy. We, went to, yeah. we, we were Some out at Lowell, and there was you know, two people one night and two entirely different people the next night, and they called just the games completely different. It was like one night it was just chaos penalties all over these guys didn't know what they were doing with the uh new stick initiative and but that the clutching and grabbing and then the next night the guys were like didn't know it existed um but that's a league problem saying out there it that's is a league is. problem the league needs to handle the fact like they need to get the, the officials on the same page yeah i think this year has been a tough year for officiating because leagues probably have to mix it up a little. I mean, the NCHC and and that is, has been a little different this year too, with the COVID protocols and everything in place, you haven't been able to mix up officials as much. Um, it's, it's been, it's, you're probably, we're probably, you're not going to put them on planes. Right. If you we're can just help it, we're right? probably, I think every league's just happy to have enough officials that are able to work, you know, and, and be healthy and, and that can get tested and um, can, aren't in jobs where they're getting, you know, exposed uh, very often. I mean, these guys have probably had to cut themselves off a lot from, um, you know, normal well, just think life. about getting your refs to go down to the pod for three weeks. I mean, that was tough I mean, on the NCAA. They have day jobs. Yeah, yeah. That's something everyone needs to remember about college hockey is this is like a hobby for a lot of these guys. This is a part-time. Right. It's not even part-time. Like, they're taking their own time out on the weekends uh to to do this it's not like the full-time nhl officials it's not you know college sports that's officiating is still a hobby like it is for someone in high school or, or juniors and some of these uh people are able you know i know there's refs that do they pick up high school games junior games college games they, they do it all to to make it somewhat full-time but it's still part-time um you know so i i what would help is a larger re- refereeing pool. You know, I remember early on in the WCHA after realignment, the league kind of got the the shaft on not getting the the top officials because the Big Ten and the NCHC upped their pay and and poached the the top crews, and you know it was brought up to to the league like you got to get rid of some of these guys. They're bad. The league said, well, we don't have anyone to replace them with. Like this is who there is. Right. Um, yeah. You know that's. Maybe that's something else college Inc. hockey Inc. can do, or but really the NCAA should be doing it is trying to get more people involved in, in officiating and, uh, and such partnering with these junior leagues, whether it's the USHL or the North American league, um, even Minnesota high school hockey is a place where you could develop um, some officials and, and midget trip, you know, the higher end midget triple A. Uh-huh. But we understand yeah, the problem is too, that you've, you, you go gotta, back you to get, your, you know, your parents arguing and your fans are just, we're ruthless. We need, and we need, who would want to do that job really? Like, what we, honestly, what we really need is we really just need to clone Marco Hunt and Derek Shepard and we should all be good. <laughs> Just because we had a few good nights drinking were, with them doesn't make yeah, them but great in, refs. But in hindsight, that was as much as we got upset at them at the time. That was the best well, well, ref pair in that era of the old WCHA. Well, but but let's also be honest. Like half of the reason I think that you and I specifically have a lot more respect for the referees of that era is because 
we got a chance to humanize them. We drank with them all over the place and talked to them and got to know them as people because they would go to the bar in Houghton and you would get to talk to them. Well, and they gave us, and and they it, gave us and ex- well, explanations of why they called what. They gave us explanations. Yeah. They and, gave us honest information about what yeah. was going on. And like, and they wouldn't, honestly, they wouldn't be afraid to be like, you know what? I missed that one. Like, <laughs> and you get that. And you, you, we don't have that connection anymore because I we don't yeah. get to go and to the, games this year. You don't really get to talk to the refs. And in my mind, still the biggest problem with the WCHA is, and probably honestly, it feels like one of the bigger reasons they're leaving is the referee. Yeah, the refs. The refs need to be more available at bars in WCHA cities. <laughs> well, see, yeah. What I want to talk about as as bringing the younger's perspective into this is especially among like my friends, people who are still yeah. at Tech or maybe you've about never, to graduate. You've the never is, drank with Shepard and, and Hunt. I've never, I've never drank with an official. I will put that out there. But what I am saying is that overwhelmingly, like the newer generation of tech fans see officials as, you know, agents that are there to make sure that the game is played safely and by the rules. And that's overwhelmingly how we see them. But there's some situations where we feel like that was so unbelievably obvious and we don't understand how that was missed other than maybe, you know, they're getting paid on an, you know, like a, a, a flat rate as opposed to like hourly, just like, you know, we just want to get out of here. We don't care about reviewing it, you know, things of that nature, where it's, it's, it's just kind of a tough look for the league when there's so much question about officiating. And I, I'm, I'm even one in like our discord chat to be the first advocate I'm the first advocate next to Rob's dad to being like pro official, being like. But but you've got to realize, really Matt, the biggest to, problem you know, for yeah. the tech fan base isn't the tech fans; it's the coach is consistently yes. promoting the idea. Like, <laughs> I'm oh, not man, I can't. I can't go there. That... Maybe I can edit this part no, out. We can't. We no, can't. Like, I'll, 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 I'll keep you guys out of, out of trouble. No, the coaches. It's not. Uh, I've. You know, thought the same thing about Scott Sandlin sometimes when he comes up after a loss, and when it, and it's not just Scott. Every coach does it. They get frustrated when they. It's why leagues highly discourage coaches from publicly commenting on the officiating. I remember Walt Kyle after getting yelled at one time by the league. Just every time I said anything about the officiating, he came up with a blanket statement. You know, Matt, I am not allowed to talk about the, like Bart writing on the chalkboard. I am not allowed <laughs> to talk about the officiating. I will not comment the on the officiating. Opposite side of that I will now. not comment on the officiating. And that's something the league needs to crack down on. Like it doesn't help when the coach, you know, I remember going back to Mel. I remember a game at, uh, at McGinnis. Um, I went up there for USCHO to do tech versus bowling. I think it was tech versus bowling green. And um, Mel was just throughout the game just right just getting on the officials from the start to, to the finish i don't know if this crew had ticked them off earlier in the season or what but and you could see his players like following along and they started getting more riled up the players start now yelling at the officials and then that gets the fans going and they start yelling at the officials and uh, tech actually lost this game because i remember the bowling green scored laid off a face-off either to tie it or or win the game and um one of the players from tech like stopped playing midway to like yell at the official for something off the face off and Bowling Green scores. And yeah, the official probably missed something, but had the player been 
paying attention more to Bowling Green instead of what the officials were doing. And you could just see it building throughout the game. The players are following the coach. The fans are following the players. Anyways, afterwards, Sounds like typical maybe, maybe Mel tech miscoaching. Fit, maybe t- yeah. The, what well, may make this game stand yeah. out to you guys is Mel actually like, I thought about this game when Tom Saratori was chasing officials on the ice after a game yeah. recently. Mel <laughs> yeah. followed the Mel followed the official like almost down the tunnel. Someone had to pull him back. He mm. was about to go into the officials' locker room. Like I remember just watching this going, yeah. Wow, Mel, He's an what are you doing? Animal. And then after the game, after the game, he went on a rant about and I, I sort of understand where Mal was coming from. Um, again, he was a young head coach at, at this time. I think he actually got a lot better as he's gotten better as time went on. Walt, when he was a young coach too, would get on the officials and, and stuff. And some coaches get better with it with age, but um, you know, Mel after the game went on this rant about how the officiating needs to be better because people's lives were on the line. The coaches get on the officials because they have so much pressure. I remember him saying the that. money, I the do. money in college yeah. hockey is pretty high now. I mean, these guys are making a lot of money. So there's a lot more pressure, um, pressure to perform, but uh, they, but until that money trickles to the refs, how can you expect them it's a great point, to be better? And, 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 and I until think they the, need, until the leagues start holding yeah. them accountable and, and coach, actually, and I think when coaches go after something. officials like that, it does discourage someone from sitting in the stands. To man, I don't want to go ref in that league. They're, but Tom, Joey Sean is bashing me in the in the media. Tom Seratori's chasing me on the ice. Mel Pearson's coming down the hallway like. That's something the WC and maybe this will happen in the CCHA. I know coaches hate the fines and everything. Uh, there was an incident. Scott and I got into a little bit because he was afraid something I published was going to get him in trouble with the officials. It was actually him basically reciting the old Walt Kyle line of, you know, don't <laughs> ask me about the officiating. I don't want to get fined. And I printed that and he was yeah. worried that that was going to get him in trouble. And it was like, <laughs> wow, like in the NCHC, they're so paranoid about like, don't you know don't ask me about the officiating i don't want to get fined they thought they'd get fined for that like um i don't know is joey getting but but i do feel like that's what you need versus because it just we're just every fan in our discord chat is except for matt and bob and the basically us is in there complaining about the refs and i point blank went in there on saturday night's game after we had two majors called on northern and i went so do the refs suck Every night, or is tonight okay, guys? So, but yeah, that's exactly it. Was exactly it because, like, that's I think he, I think Tim actually went in there and said that after we got off. You know, you can't see my air quotes if you read if you're on the podcast, but you know, scot free with the slew foot, and there's more air quotes there. But like, the thing that I would like to go back to is that in the original Joe Sean rant, you know, like the thing that everyone takes away from that is, oh, Joey's like blowing hot air about how there's you know this anti-text conspiracy th- theory but like if you if you read like his comments top to bottom i think you can easily like it's like reading a don cherry rant you know like there's parts of it that you can dismiss automatically and be like yeah okay you know whatever about that part but if you go into like the meat of what he said in the transcript it's mostly that you know the officiating our in our league is so wildly inconsistent and it's 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 dangerous to players that play for me it's dangerous to players to play for the other team i just you know would like to see more consistency and accountability in the way which the game is, is which is I've, I've perfectly with, fine with, 
you know, to, in, in Joey's defense, he's a passionate guy. Like I've known Joey for, for a long time. I call him, I know, I know, I, know, exactly I always it. find it weird when like Kelvin describes him as Joe and I go, who's Joe? It's Joey. Um, sorry, Joey. I'm sorry if you're trying to drop. <laughs> he's got a degree now, man. So it's Joe. You're, you're Joey Sean to me, buddy. Um, <laughs> he's, I, went, I had Thanksgiving at his house. He's Joey. Yeah, he's, to me. He's, he's, <laughs> I still call him Joey Sean uh, from when he was an assistant at, at Northern and, and Lake State before that. But, you know, Joey's a passionate guy. Uh, I think that's why he's a, he's a great coach. I think that's why he's gotten the most out of uh, and developed some really great goaltenders over, over his career and, and such. And, and there probably is a lot of frustration there. That's just boiling over from, you know, there is inconsistency. I, I see it, you know, I've seen it in the years that I've covered the WCHA. I, it's when I watch women, you know, I'm covering women's WCHA hockey. Now I see a lot of the same stuff there. It's probably come, you know, you got to look at the person that's at the top. That's Greg Shepard. But, you know, it goes both ways. The coaches and, and the league need to find a way to work better together. These rants that that Joey does probably don't help. Um, if he is really concerned about refs that have a vendetta against him, that's something that needs to be addressed with the league. And I, maybe the league's not taking seriously. I don't know. And I don't know if going to the CCHA is going to cure all this either, by the way, because it's not like there's this. Well, there's a good chance that a lot of those le- those refs right, carry back, over. There's the no league, magical. You know? There's yeah. no like, what's the old one eight hundred dial a QB that joke from the NFL? There's no like one eight hundred dial a ref. There's no like secret pod of great referees just untapped waiting in this new league. Like you're but, not going to bring back all the old CCHA refs. Like, but the hope is going to be the, a lot the, of the same. I mean, maybe maybe a different person at the top. Yes, the, we'll the, a different things. person at the top. The, the hope is that you get somebody else at the top that can, you know, provide a better structure, better guidance, and and promote consistency. Different not accountability, accountability, right? accountability, and accountability consistency. for the officials and the coaches. Like you can't have top territory yeah, for, sure. for both chasing like. There should have been a yeah. You can't like. Why is there? No, there should have been something for Tom just chasing yeah, down the did, ref. After was, not did anything come out? Did, like the, maybe the leagues. Maybe the leagues not trans. Maybe nothing. the leagues not transparent. You know? well, um, that has maybe, been an issue on the, didn't say anything, but on the women's side. But but that's something. I honestly think chasing chasing a ref down like that is you don't coach the next game. That, There's oh, no that, excuse yeah, for it. Yeah, Mel should have gotten yeah, in trouble for following officials down that hallway. Right. Tom should get in in trouble for a public display like that. You shouldn't have it. I mean, the NCHC. Uh, was it well, when Bob Motzko was still in the league and um, you know, he got into a confrontation with uh, the former Denver coach who went to Dallas now, and I'm drawing a blank because Montgomery hey, Montgomery. Yeah. It's getting way past my bedtime here, guys. I'm an old <laughs> man now, you know, the NCHC was willing to publicly reprimand uh, David, uh, you know, Montgomery and, and Motzko for going at each other at center ice. Like that's something that, that the league needs to be willing to do because that will discourage teams and i know that the athletic departments hate that bad publicity um but you got to do something to rein in the coaches and and such and i don't think it's bad either for a league to sometimes admit when an official made a mistake mm-hmm. um i know that's something that's really tough for for leagues to do and and the officials don't like it i believe in transparency you know reporters good reporters if we make mistakes we put a issue a correction out there that, that we screwed up um you know, I don't think that's a, a bad thing for a league to do either. I'd also tell fans, like, if you put your team in a position to get screwed by the refs, you probably didn't deserve to win the game. Right. Yeah, the refs don't beat you. You beat yourselves when you get in the unless you're, well, unless that's, you're and that's, unless, that's your dad's point, right? Like you still you still committed the act. Like 
maybe they're not calling it on Bowling Green, but you still tripped him, so it's a tripping penalty if he calls it. Just because he missed the Bowling Green one and called you doesn't mean you didn't trip the guy. You deserve your penalty. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again to Matt Wellens for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Anything you want to plug, Matt? Uh, yeah, uh, I have a podcast that doesn't go, it makes my podcast feel better now. I thought it went off the walls. We got the Bulldog Insider podcast uh, <laughs> in which we talked to a, a lot of the, uh, maybe not all tech fans are interested in this, but uh, it's one-on-one interviews, uh, sometimes more than that with uh umd student athletes coaches and such uh you can catch my coverage of if you like college hockey check out uh the rink um it's an endeavor of the forum communications papers uh covering uh the nchc the big 10 we're, we're trying to expand our wcha uh coverages as well there men's and women's hockey and and uh you can also find my stuff as well at duluth news tribune.com uh i'm on twitter and instagram at matt wellens you need someone to make northern jokes at yes i've i've heard them all <laughs> well if you ever need anybody from a tech perspective for that one let me know yeah don't talk to me because i don't have any kind of the, like formal training in <laughs> <laughs> please check out our patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic mtu jersey patch and access to extra podcast content including extended versions of every podcast patrons at the white level or above get access to monthly zoom chat featuring guests like john scott joe sean brad patterson and more to come follow us on twitter at chasing mac pod or at tech hockey guide you can submit questions to our email address chasing mac at techhockeyguide.com or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing MacPod. Nobody's taken us up on that one yet. I guess they don't want to hear their own voice on the podcast. Come on, guys. Let's do it. Don't Let's forget. do it. Ask a question. We'll Let's do it, somebody. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know, and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. By this time next week, we'll have had 5,000 plays, according to Inker. So that's kind of cool. Neato. Buy a t-shirt. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethinkynotes.bandcamp.com. And let's not forget Brandon Morizak, who didn't want me to do this because he thought it would be a waste of our minimum amount of resources, and it's turned into the only source of money we have. Wait, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon wants to do this? What? <laughs> <laughs>